But um, that's pretty good. Uh, let me uh, just start out. I want to pray for uh, Indonesia to put this in context. I don't know if you've heard that another tsunami hit last night at 930. Uh, it hit the city of Kalianda. Kalianda was where we used to live. So um, I, uh, <laughs> I um, oh, that's, I wish I didn't do that. Um, so I may know people there. I haven't gotten any word. I don't know uh, if I know anybody that's been struck by it. Uh, somewhere over 200 people have been killed, 222 people. Uh, a lot of people still missing. There's like 800 or 1,000 people that have been injured. There was a concert going on on the beach. It was a beach that we used to frequent as the ki- we used to take the kids there and stay in these stilted houses and set off cheap fireworks on the beach. It was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, that hit there last night. So let's just start by praying for them. We're also going to pray for freedom, uh, which is our first thing on our prayer cards. If you haven't picked up a prayer card, they are over there on the thing. We're praying through all these different things, one for each day of the week. So uh, Sundays are freedom. So let me pray for these things. Father, we, uh, we pray for uh, peace and just care in Kalianda right now, in Bandar Lampung. We thank you that your spirit is there hovering over those people. We thank you that you love them more than we could ever love them. We thank you that you are ministering to them even as we speak. We thank you that you are doing things, you are preparing people to care for them. I think of Pat Tommy and Ibu Lydia and just all the Paul and Paul Mock and all the other people that are in that area, Father God, that you would mobilize them, give them exactly what they need to minister to those people. I pray that this would be an open door for your love to be shown to these people, that the story of the gospel would be shared as as they uh, need hope and they need peace and it, all those things, Father God. I, we think back to the 2004 tsunami that happened on December 24th. Time. We pray that your spirit would be with them, that you would mobilize people, you would mobilize Christians to, to love their Muslim neighbors and to care for people as they seek to find uh, those that are missing They seek to bury people. They seek to rebuild and clean up. We pray that all those people would be taken care of well, Father God. And we do pray for freedom this morning. It is for freedom that you have been set free, your scriptures say to us. We think of what Christmas means and the freedom that you brought to us in an infant in a manger. Freedom from sin, freedom from worry, freedom from anxiety, freedom from hatred and bitterness. And freedom from those powers, those spiritual powers that would seek to trip us up. Freedom from those spiritual powers that would seek to delude us or confuse us, Father God. We pray that you would declare your freedom over this church this morning and this property and these people that we would find freedom in your story this morning, that we would find freedom from whatever it is that is plaguing us personally in this room or us as a people. 
Father, I pray that your freedom would be declared over us. We thank you so much for your story, the story of the gospel that brings so much joy and peace and hope and love to the world. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, sorry, that's, that's an emotional thing just to hear that news this morning. Uh, I know you care, but it means a little bit more to me <laughs> um, being from that area. It was a, it's a beautiful place, and it's just Krakatau is right off, you know, a couple hours off the coast. Um, never took that trip. Didn't like the boat. The boat was a little bit rickety. So didn't want to take my little kids out on a rickety boat um, to see Krakatau. But um, Krakatau has been erupting for quite a few months now, and, and this is one of the results. So, Good morning. How are you, Lisa? Don't have the baby. Don't have the baby this morning. So... Um, We'll get into this sermon sometime. I'm just going to keep talking. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, we are basing our series, if you haven't been with us, we're basing our series on Philippians 2, 1 through 11, uh, a passage that is too lengthy to read again in full today due to time. We're going to do that. But we will center our thoughts on today on the first two verses of that passage in which we see that uh, moved by the same love as Jesus we can truly become one in spirit, one in mind, uh, despite differences, right? It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, such nice words, right? Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Right? And we also look today, we couple this with a very familiar verse, John 3.16, a verse that we often see gracing football end zones, right, on some handmade sign, but a verse that is a message of hope for the whole world. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would, uh, shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. Very, very familiar verse. I'd like to show you a short video um, that I took while waiting for my ride when I came off of the Colorado Trail. Um, I was sitting at a small bed and breakfast uh, in the Rockies on on the porch of this this little bed and breakfast outside where there were a bunch of... uh, hummingbird feeders and there must have been like 50 hummingbirds feeding off these things at one time um it was just beautiful right above my head like just a couple of feet above my head and realized that this video is in slow motion i filmed it in slow motion and they were just zipping around it was just the you know all the little sounds and and since i'm filming into the light and it's kind of dusk you can't really see the beautiful reds and the greens of their plumage it was just a wonderful experience to sit there and eat eat uh, dinner while these little guys buzzed around my head and fluttered by and all that kind of stuff. It was just such a cool experience. I got a a white elephant uh, hummingbird feeder last night, so I was kind of excited about that. But um, hummingbirds are are fascinating creatures, if you think about it. They're small, they're agile, they're fueled by this sweet nectar they find in flowers and obviously in hummingbird feeders. And with wing speeds of the smallest hummingbirds beating at 80 beats per second. Isn't that crazy? 80 beats per second. 
And some species can dive as fast as 49 miles per hour. The hummingbird sort of, if you watch it, just looks like grace in motion as it hovers in front of a flower or, or in front of a hummingbird feeder trying to get whatever is sweet from that thing. But, um, but behind all that grace in motion is a hard-working little machine, right? It's hustling to stay in the air. It's beating fast, right? And I'd, I'd imagine that all of us kind of feel like that in, you know, at different times in our lives, you know, beating our wings at 80 beats per second, so to speak, just to stay in the air. Sometimes it's in, in, you know, in relationship with other people, be it close intimacy of the, your spouse or, or uh, a significant other or family members or friends or work relationships or whatever it is. We seem to try to work so hard to make these relationships work and we seem to get worn out in that process sometimes. And so the question for us today is... Uh, can we learn to love well? Can we learn to love well? Jasmine lime green tea. Mm-mm-mm. By the way, it's cold in our new fridge. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We are blessed and favored of the Lord. Um, but Jesus asks many things of us in Scripture, right? One of them is to love others. But I don't know if you've noticed that loving others or learning to love others can be a difficult task. It stretches you, right? It really does. Uh, sometimes it, 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 it feels very unnatural for us to, to love others, maybe because it goes so against our sinful nature to do so, right? To think of others more highly than yourselves sometimes. Especially when uh, there are people that are different than us. Or who attack us, right? It's hard to learn to love. I spoke with some guys at breakfast this Thursday, by the way, guys, Genie's Cafe on Cricket Avenue. You are welcome, 6.30 a.m. Come on out and hang out. But, um, but I spoke with those guys this Thursday morning about how we live in a society right now where feeling is king, right? Our feelings are king. You know, do what you feel. Follow your heart. Those are the axioms that we live by these days. Um, it's a time where uh, how we feel and when things like political ideologies and sexuality have become identities rather than just ideas and behavior, um, it's hard to address certain topics these days without emotion rising up in our throats on both sides of the table, right? It's difficult. I think you've all been in that conversation, right, with somebody where you, you're, you're in disagreement, where your face gets warm and you can feel your blood pressure rising and, and you, you're, you're not able to control the words that are going to pour from, from your mouth. And culture says, don't. Don't control it. Just let her rip, right? But Jesus says that's not how we have healthy relationships. It's really not. What we've spoken about in the last few weeks in this Christmas series is important. The humility, the hope, the joy, the peace, and now today the love of Jesus enable us to put our emotion in check. To be mature in our faith. Since when the conversation becomes just about how I feel or about my strong emotion in some issue, it's, a, it, it's become about me and it's, not, it's no longer about Jesus. But humility helps to settle the silt of our soul, as we've said. 
into hope and into peace instead of anger and vitriol, we can, we can now respond in peaceful love, right? I can tell myself, it's not up to me. I'm not Lord of your heart, right? It's not up to me to, to change somebody's mind or change their heart. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts hearts, not Jason. I just need to be faithful to communicate the love of Christ and the truth of Christ to you as best I can. And disagreement isn't hatred. You know, contrary to popular belief these days, it's not hatred. It really isn't. Even with major political issues and social issues, it's not disagreement. It's just disagreement. That's all it is. And when talked out well, transformation can occur. It's possible. Right? And the message of Jesus then isn't hindered by the messenger. Right? Everybody here is... If you haven't watched The Office, where have you been, right? Like, who in the world wouldn't watch The Office? I've, I think I've watched the series six times. It's just a brilliant series. Funny, just so, so funny. But if, you, if, you, if you've watched it, right, Michael and Dwight, you remember this episode where they go and they go on this venture to win back lost clients with gift baskets. And Michael's all upset at Ryan because he's trying to, like, you know, put up this website and all this kind of stuff and you know and and in one meeting they go to this law uh law office and there's this head lawyer there and they're and he's trying to win this client back but Dwight's standing next to him Michael's trying to like speak sweetness to this guy and Mike and Dwight's just sitting there saying forget it Michael he doesn't care let's go let's take our gift basket and go right and Michael's obviously perturbed by Dwight's you know words and all this kind of stuff and he tells him to be quiet right and that's what many of us do in conversation with others. We're, we're there to represent Jesus, but we let our emotion dictate the conversation. Feelings aren't facts. That is probably a great thing to remember. Feelings aren't necessarily facts. And we need to put them in the right place when speaking in, act, in act of love marked by peace. We leave conviction to the Holy Spirit. Understanding our emotion can actually lead us down the wrong path. It can communicate something that's not necessarily great. You can be all right in your ideas and very wrong in how you communicate it, right? You know, any spouse knows that, you know, like, if you don't say it right, you're not getting anywhere, right? You could be all right, but it doesn't matter. Hummingbird is a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor of what someone who has learned to love well can look like, right? Grace in motion. Love is very hard work. It takes difficult choices in the unseen moments when no one's around to applaud, right? We're called to value others highly even when they differ from us. And in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So we have to restrain our tongues from unleashing fury in our anger, in our disagreement. 
Learning to control the tongue so that it can be a, become an instrument not of destruction and hurt as tongues often are in this world right now, but rather of healing and wholeness as they are meant to be in reflecting the love of Christ to others. We need only to review James chapter 3. If you have never read that, uh, it's a great chapter of what it... And what it says about our tongues to see how dangerous and destructive they can be when they're not controlled. I remember sitting in the village with the old sultan and he, and I had given him a Bible and he started talking about the tongue that is like this small rudder that moves a giant ship. And I said, where'd you hear that? He goes, from that book you gave me. I'm like, amen. Keep reading, brother. Right? <laughs> he convicted me because he was telling me I was gossiping. <laughs> Or something. I was saying something I shouldn't have been saying. Nothing like being like convicted by a non-Christian, right? Like God speaks to you through somebody else. Jasmine lime green tea. It, it is the best. It is. It's cold because of our new fridge back in the back. <laughs> But the hummingbird works, you know, like works really hard, right, to do what it does. It works super hard, but it, it appears to be doing with, with, with all the ease on the surface, right? You don't look at it and think, wow, he's really working hard. You just, it looks like he's doing it so easily. Grace expressed in love takes practice enable, and, and enables us to hover in front of difficult situations and draw sweetness from them. And we can learn by humility and practice to draw sweetness from any, in, any, uh, any situation, right? We just have to beat our wings well. So can we learn to love deeply? That's a question, a good question, right? Can we? Think about how counterintuitive or countercultural it is to actually live in love of other people. You know, the gift of God in Christ is, is that our need, our, our deep need for love has been met in Jesus. It has been met in Jesus. Your lifetime and my lifetime will be spent learning over and over again and, and at deeper levels to receive this great grace-infused love that meets us every moment in Jesus. To understanding the humility and the hope and the peace and the joy and the love provided in our restored relationship with God the Father through God the Son, led by God the Holy Spirit in conjunction with His Word. The love of Christ shown to us in the Gospel account frees us not only from sin, but the debilitating need to get worth and love and affection and approval from anybody else in the world. Think about that. That's true freedom. It takes away all insecurity. It takes away all anxiety and all worry. Not that we can't get and we shouldn't get love and affection from other people, but it's icing on the cake when we do, right? Because it's given, it's all met in Jesus already. We are whole and fulfilled in Christ. Amen. Say that louder. Amen. Right? We are whole in Christ. Only His divine love can fulfill any soul. 
Everything else is bonus. Everything else is icing on the cake, right? And only in His love can we truly love others the way that they were created to be loved. The difficulty is sometimes it's counter, counter to what they want. 1 Peter one twenty two says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Learning to love others deeply and from the heart requires that we humble ourselves enough to be like-minded of having the same love, of being one in spirit and one in mind. It's easier said than done. One of the clearest models that we have are the 12 disciples as we watch them throughout the stories in, in the Scriptures. They all came from very different backgrounds and very different socio-political views. Zealots and tax collectors and fishermen make for a very motley crew. A bunch of guys. Jesus gave the name Sons of Thunder to James and John, probably because they're tempestuous dispositions and the rough way that they spoke, right? Peter was rash and impetuous himself. He, he was a bull in a china closet, so to speak. He always made awkward statements, and he put his foot in his mouth more than once. I would have liked Peter. Simon was a zealot, probably a member of a political party opposed to the Roman occupation, very, very nationalistic and very opinionated. Around the campfire must have been great conversations, Right? <laughs> Imagine like your staunch Democrat and your staunch Republican arguing at the, at the campfire. That's, that's what Simon would have brought to the table. But all of them, all of them seemed to soften and they had their focus redirected and centered on Jesus after the ascension and after the receiving of the Holy Spirit. They changed. All these different guys united under Jesus. No longer were their agendas their main concern. Their little pet issues and all that stuff. Rather, it was Christ and whether others had experienced or were experiencing Jesus in love and truth. Now, that's what they wanted of people. The task of being like-minded and like-hearted is an arduous one. It's not an easy task. It's not a, a, an easy journey necessarily. And I don't think many people really want to work that hard at it. What Paul's not saying here, as he most likely writes from his jail cell, right? Would you be willing to go to jail for Jesus, right? Is that we're all to think the same thoughts. That's not what he's saying, right? That's neither healthy nor is it natural for a group to do. That is actually cultic, Right? If I sat up here and told you exactly what to think in every little issue, you would be part of a cult. I'm not, I don't do that, right? There are shared beliefs. There are shared values we have as Christians. We have one goal, right? But our thought life in every little issue isn't dictated in a relationship with other Christians. It's just not. Being like-minded means that we have the same goal, the goal of receiving love, And giving love in Jesus' name. Of bringing him to the nations, right? Some of the most unyielding postures of hate 
between people or people groups have been softened and turned into embraces by coming to be one in spirit as, as, as they've, been cho- they've chosen to be loved uh, by Jesus and to love others in Jesus' name. Together, right? Following Jesus together. That's why we as Christians believe to change the world is to bring Jesus to the world. There's a very big difference in how we are told to change the world out there. Think on what your goal is for others around you. Now, don't answer that too quickly. But think on what your goal is for others around you. Right? If you could peel yourself away, like disembody yourself, right? And if you could hover over yourself and look down uh, as you speak with others and hear your own words, what would be the thing or the things that you seem to care most about? Right? What, what do you put forward to other people? Think about that. What do you communicate? And I'm going to tell you a story at the end of the, ser- the, end of the service today about somebody I think that has done this really well. But what do you want to communicate, right? Is, or what do you want to show others about yourself or about what is most, most important to you? Is it to make yourself shine? Is it to put yourself in the light? Is it to win them to your political stance? Is it your art? You artists can be pretty intense. <laughs> I speak as a brother artist, right? Is it your career that you want people to know most about? Is it your pet issue that you want them to understand and come on your side? Or, or how intelligent or capable or skilled you are in some way? Or is it the love that you found in Jesus which you want most for people to know, do you identify yourself with Jesus or something else? Right? What's your first thing? What's your lead foot? Good questions. Can we learn to love completely? I think we can. By the filling of the Holy Spirit and the process of spiritual formation, which we've been talking about for like well over a year here now at 6-8, as we seek to emulate that heart of Christ in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, the love of Christ, being one in spirit and one in mind. So it's not that we have to agree on every little point in life. It's that our goal and our spirits are centered around following Jesus together. That He gets to be Jesus and we get to be His followers. Right? It's aligning ourselves under the humble King's directives. Taking on His values and expressing His love to the world. We can learn to love deeply. We can. To draw out the sweetness in any situation, any relationship, or even any cultural challenge. But it will take practice in small acts, and practicing love always requires that we humble ourselves in some way. For the one who wants to change a nation, right? We must start by accepting somebody who's not like us ethnically, or socially, or spiritually, or even politically. And then soon, the hurried beating of our wings will look like grace in motion. As we cross lines of preference and prejudice to love others in Jesus' name. Charles Spurgeon, old English preacher, 
long since dead, pushing up daisies someplace, said, through humility, some have even possessed the gates of their enemies. Now, we in America would say, through violent words, I'm going to possess your gates. No, it doesn't work, right? Through humility, some have even possessed the gates of their enemies. They've, they've broken down the walls. For which of the virtues is so highly or so mighty to subdue the pride of demons and the tyranny of men? What a great quote. When I first met Jesus, I was like 21 years old. That's when I mark, mark it. I think he was pursuing me long before that. But I was strangely drawn to his deep and his powerful love for me. It was overwhelming to me. It was a very palpable moment in my life, right? At the same time, I was deeply convicted of the things in my heart which didn't align with the life that he was calling me to. I, was, I had behaviors that were not godly, believe it or not. But Jesus, in that uncanny, he has that really that uncanny ability to be convicting without bringing shame. Right? It's just so weird. His forgiveness calls people higher. It really does. And in the beginning of my walk, the things in my life which were so prominently ungodly had to be cut down pretty quickly, right? I, I had to make some changes. And over time, as I've grown more deeply in him, there have been other things that he's revealed to me which have needed changing. Spiritual formation may begin drastically, right? With major changes. But it works out over time in a fine tuning, right? Like a piano tuner, tuning an old piano, right? You know, he may make large turns at first, you know, get those strings tightened up and all that kind of stuff. You know, but as he continues to work with a skilled ear, fine-tuning, you know, the fine-tunings he makes you know, are something the musical laity can't even probably hear themselves, but the master musician can. So he's getting, them, he's getting it ready for somebody else, not just me, right? When Bill and Massey and I got those two, by the way, we just, Bill Massey, what a beautiful man. That guy worked tirelessly to help me get all this done. He painted the men's bathroom this week. Just the women your yours is going to be painted. <laughs> locks new locks on the bathroom. Mm. Mm. getting all professional. We even got little card holders. Did you notice that? Amen. But when we got those two cabinets back there 3 weeks ago, there were like five layers of old like paint on those things. They, they were nasty. It, and that paint had to go, right? It was the most prominently ugly thing about those cabinets. And the, the doors wouldn't shut. The hinges were all gummed up and rusty. They were unusable as they were. And if left unattended, they were going to be thrown out, just chucked away someplace. So using heat guns, right? A little bit at a time, we, we had to scrape all that paint off. It was a long, long, out in the cold weather in my driveway doing this together. We finally got them down to this, this rough, these rough wooden cabinets, and the beauty of the wood started to show through, right? 
but they were still covered with some like lingering paint and tool marks from our scraping too hard in certain places and all that stuff. So we got heavy 40 grit sandpaper. If you don't know, the lower the number, the more rough the sandpaper is. So we got heavy 40 grit sandpaper and we started to grind away all that stubborn paint and roughly smoothed out all our tool marks, right? It was a lot of work. When we got that done, we switched to 150 grit sandpaper, then 200 grit sandpaper, and we started to smooth it out until when you ran your hand over it, it felt like a little baby's bottom. It was so nice. It was, it was very satisfying. And then we put polyurethane on them, right? It was nice. Now, some of you are sitting here with, with like five layers of the world's paint on you. You really are. That, there's no shame in that. It just happens. It is what it is, right? It's a great saying. You apply that anywhere. It is what it is, right? Your sin may be just covering you, but Jesus, is he loves you enough to scrape that away, to get rid of it. Some of you are sitting here this morning ready for 40 grit or 60 grit or 80 grit sandpaper, and, and some of you are already at that point where you're getting the 150 or 200 grit sandpaper on you. As Christ smooths out your rough spots in order to cover you with his character and make the wood of your life bright and beautiful and usable again. I like those cabinets. Because they're not perfect. Right? They're not perfect. They're old. They've seen life. You know, they're missing pieces. Some of the pieces fell off while we were doing this and I just left them off, you know. There's still residual paint on them which reflects our lives in Christ as, as Christ the carpenter continues to work on us, right? In the spiritual formation process. And as he works, he often sicks back and he often admires what he's creating you to be. Something usable in his kingdom. Something usable in the lives of others. So this week, do two things, right? Firstly, Pray that Jesus would continue to work at sanding down your life. That you would submit yourself to his skilled hand. Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Pray in that process that you'd be more like him in the ability to love others while still upholding the call of holiness in the scriptures. Calling them higher up to the life of Jesus along with you. Secondly, Find somebody who's different from you and ask them to go to coffee or get a meal or something. Ask them their story. Speak to them. Begin to build a relationship. And if they're a Christian, begin to build that relationship around your shared love of Jesus. If they're not a Christian, pray the Holy Spirit would speak to you about how you can share the love of Christ with them really well. Keep emotion in check in the power of the Spirit. Tame your tongue. And stand alongside Jesus, communicating well. Be grace in motion, right? Put the work of spiritual formation in this Christmas. Don't give up. Make your calling look look effortless, just like a hummingbird in flight, right? Be like-minded. Have the same love of Christ. Be one in spirit. Be one in mind. Because God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him, whoever, can have eternal life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that Your Spirit is here.
We thank you that you are alive and well. That heaven meets earth in the birth of your son. That the love and the humility and the peace and the joy and all the things that everybody in this world actually deeply really long for are found in you. Father, we want to be great representatives. We don't want to be mediocre. We don't want to just be 10%. We want to be 110%. We want to go above and beyond our call of people that are following you really well, loving others into the kingdom of God. So speak to our hearts. Convict our hearts where we need to get rid of our shame, to get rid of our shaming, and just to walk with you well. Make us mature. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you